you're listening to the Sincerely Podcast. I'm Sid. And I'm Beth. And today we are discussing our sincere opinions of Wild Game, My Mother, Her Lover, and Me by Adrian Brodeur. Yay! Um, I think this is our first <laughs> memoir. Yep, and it's our first book back. Yes, and it's our first, there's a lot of firsts with this one. First book back after quarantine, which we're well, still during quarantine. Yeah, there you go. We're still doing it. It's our first long distance episode. So yes. it's going to just, it's going to go well. So I see that you have written some discussion questions for us. Yeah. And just- I want to ask you this because you've been like a bookaholic this in- for the past six weeks. Like, um, like every week you post, I read this book, I read this book. So how many books and what have you read during quarantine? So I only read seven. I only read seven. <laughs> You're making me sound like a- we've been in quarantine for six weeks. That's like barely like that's, a you know, I don't know. Anyways, so the books. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Um, I feel like I, you know, it's one of these things with quarantine, like, I feel like I should be doing so much more. And I know that it's acceptable, because it's this hard time for not only myself, but everyone. So it's okay to not be doing more. Yeah. Um, But I feel like I should be, but I'm not. So but let me tell you what books I've read. Okay. So I read uh, You're Not Alone. Um, And that was the one with the double authors, Greer Hendricks and Sarah Pekinen. Yeah. Uh, we read that for our book club. And then then she was gone by Lisa Jewell. Recursion by Blake Crouch, which was another one of our book club books. Mm-hmm. After I Do by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Uh, the Lovely Bones, which was one of our book club books. Sorry about it. Um, uh, the Stranger Beside Me by Anne Rule. And then Normal People by Sally Rooney. The Last Time I Lied by Riley Sager, and then this book, Wild Game. What about you? Um, wow. Wait, so I didn't think we – was You Are Not Alone during quarantine? Yeah. Wow, we have been in quarantine like two months almost. Um, yeah, so I read You Are Not Alone, uh, Recursion. I have not read as much just because for the first few weeks of quarantine, I didn't want to read because I was just feeling like, Watching TV, watching the news was all I wanted to do. Um, right. But then Recursion helped me get back in the swing of things because I had to read that for book club. And I, yeah. I, I think I finished it like two minutes before book club, but I finished it. Uh, so I read You Are Not Alone, um, Recursion, uh, Normal People, The Last Time I Lied, and Wild Game. Um, and so, yeah, not as many as you. But I'm catching up. I'm slowly. Pretty close. That's. I think that's like six, and I read seven. <laughs> and I read five. That was five, I think. Yeah, that's five. Oh, okay. Well, in my de- or your defense, I listened to two of them. So I think. Yeah, I mean, we we had disagreement about this at the beginning of the year, but I caved and I was like, "You're right. That counts as reading because." Yeah. We listen to audiobooks all the time, so it yeah. has to count, and it's a book, so. Whatever. It counts as a book. It may not be reading, but it counts as a book that That's you true. were into. So, anyways. Um, which one's your favorite? Because you read, like, almost all thrillers. Yeah, dude. Um, so, actually, well, most of the thrillers were for book club. And then <laughs> one of them was given to me by um, 
one of my friends, Kayla, she gave me, um, then she was gone. She really liked that book. And so she's like, you have to read it. Um, but I, I don't know. I guess my favorite was probably Recursion. Really? Um, yeah, dude. I know you, you weren't as big of a fan of it, but I really, really liked it. Um, I mean, a lot of people liked it. I just, and it's not that I hate, I didn't hate it. I just thought it could have ended like 40 pages sooner. <laughs> it kept repeating it. I was like, this is worse than football. I was like, repeat, repeat, <laughs> repeat. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I, just, I really liked it. It really intrigued me from start to finish. Like, I was super into it. Um, and then I think in the other book that I really liked, um, other than this one, which I, I did like a lot, but the other book that I really liked um, was Normal People. I liked that one a lot. Really? <laughs> yeah, dude, I know you didn't like that one either. This is good, though, um, because, for, I mean, we have similar interests with books, obviously, because we choose the books <laughs> together. Mm-hmm. But I do like that our tastes are different, so it's not going to be the same. Right. Everything. Because, yeah, I was not a huge fan of normal people. Um, I mean, again, I didn't dislike it. Just wasn't a huge fan. Right. I, it, it, does that even make sense? To No, yeah. I, was kind I mean, of, like, apathetic about it. Like, eh, whatever. Um, I just thought it was um, an easy read. And it was, you know, we were going to have book club on Tuesday or something, and it was Friday night. Mm-hmm. And I ended up reading like half the book that night. And then I woke up. And when I woke up that next morning, like I was so interested in the book that I didn't even get out of bed and like go get coffee or anything. I just started reading the book before I got up. See, that's awesome. I love yeah. that you loved it so much and that it kind of spoke to you because mm-hmm. I didn't have that experience with that book. <laughs> uh, but I did have it with um, the book we just read, Wild Game. Like mm-hmm. I read that today. Uh, yeah. And then, I mean, I like reading the podcast books right before the podcast. So it's fresh on my mind. Um, although I didn't have to wait till whatever. Um, and then also the last time I lied, it really, like I, I stayed up reading again. I read that Indian afternoon into evening Yes. Because I, yeah. although that was a bad idea. Because then I couldn't sleep for like 45 minutes after I finished it. Because for some reason, that book made my heart beat very fast. Yeah. Well, that book has so many. I mean, that was very so crazy. That's, that was it. Because it didn't. I don't know. It just like really. It tripped me out. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, no, it was nuts. Um, I, I liked that one a lot, but I think if I had to choose, because I read like four thrillers, if I had to choose a thriller that I really liked, mm-hmm. it would be Then She Was Gone by Lisa Jewell. And that book is the main reason we read The Lovely Bones, because <laughs> <laughs> at the end of it, it was like, compared to The Lovely Bones. And so I was like, oh, okay, yeah. Well, if I have to read The Lovely Bones, so does everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> Which I failed you. I started it. I was like, Nah, I'm not gonna. Yeah, but I know that was, which is bad as a book lover and reader. But I also, I'm one of those people. If I'm not intrigued and like really gripped, I won't read. Yeah, I don't think it was. I mean, yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of the Lovely Bones. Um, I remember watching the movie like in high school I think like freshman year I think when we looked it up it came out in 2009 yeah and I I watched it with one of my friends at her house um 
And I remember being like, what the fuck? That was it. And but for some reason that didn't hint to me that this wasn't gonna be good. And so <laughs> So it's like, nope, we gotta read it. I remember watching that. But like I mean, I it's good because now you know, like yeah. that that because when y'all because I still joined a book club when y'all discussed it because I wanted to hear and it was crazy sounding. It was nuts. Yeah. 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 So, but it's also funny because, like, even um, then the last time I lied, that book, and then she was gone, both mentioned the lovely bones. Yes. Which makes it feel like maybe I should read it. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like it was such a big book, like, way back when it first came out that maybe it really impression, like, it left an impression on people. But I just... I don't think that it's my favorite, so I hope no one hates me for that. <laughs> I mean, I just told you all of these things that I dislike, and I've never been shy about saying I dislike something. I know, I know. Which, so I'm if not... anyone's the villain, it's me. But... Yes. <laughs> you agree. You know, you know what I was thinking about the other night, actually, that we've mentioned in a previous episode? What? So we were talking about when we read The Wives that we had never read a book from the villain's point of view. Uh huh. And I kind of realized I was like, wait, isn't that what the last Mrs. Parrish was? <laughs> did we? Did we? <laughs> did we discuss that point? No, we didn't. No, I don't think we did. But I was like laying in bed. I. Have You're had right. Horrible... The first half of the book is a villain standpoint. Exactly. Girl, so, like a you. I know. I don't know. That's insomnia for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so like, let's move on. Unless there's anything else you want to discuss before we. No, not about those books. I have a lot to discuss about the next book, but I have my coffee. Um, I just I had like a I had a sandwich for lunch, and I knew better because for some reason lately bread's been making me really sleepy. But oh my god, craving. A sandwich and so I had a sandwich from Potbelly and I got my coffee to like wake me back up after the after the carb snooze that I want to take so yes so is that your drink for today you're drinking coffee yes I'm drinking a vanilla iced coffee that I made nice mm-hmm. I am drinking a <laughs> a Tito's and Topo Chico with lime Ooh, <laughs> now I want to make a drink no, that would be bad to have coffee and alcohol. It'd be like a Red Bull vodka. I'm like, what? What's going on? Be- yes, my body would be confused. But that sounds really good. Yes, it's just you know, light and summery, <laughs> and that's what we're all about here. Thriller Central, being light and summery. Light and summery. Yes. Yes. Do you want to read the uh, description about Adrian? Sure, and you can read the book description. Ah, that sounds good to me. It's less words. <laughs> okay. I see how it is. You pawned this off on me. Uh, I did. Because neither of us are good at this, but it's okay. <laughs> okay, so Adrian Brodeur is the author of the memoir, uh, Wild Game, My Mother, Her Lover, and Me, which was described by the New York Times Book Review as exquisite and harrowing. Harrowing. <laughs> the book is so gorgeously written and deeply insightful, and with a line of narrative tension that never slacks from the first page to the last, that it's one that you'll likely read in a single delicious sitting, which is true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so Adrian has spent the past two decades of her professional life in the literary world, discovering voices, cultivating talent, and working to amplify 
underrepresented writers. Her publishing career began with founding the fiction magazine Zotrope All Story with filmmaker Francis Ford Coppola, where she served as editor-in-chief from 1996 to 2002. The magazine has won the prestigious, na prestigious National Magazine Award for Best Fiction four times. In 2005, she became an editor at Harcourt, later HMH Books, where she acquired and edited literary fiction and memoir. Adrian left publishing in 2013 to become creative director and later executive director of Aspen Words, a literary arts nonprofit and program of Aspen Institute. In 2017, she launched the Aspen Words Literary Prize, a $35,000 annual award for influential work fiction that illuminates a vital contemporary issue and demonstrates the transformative power of literature on thought and culture. Adrienne splits her time between Cambridge and Cape Cod, where she lives with her husband and children. She's very impressive. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whenever I read the about sections of authors, I'm just blown away. I'm like, well, this is why they're successful. They're smart cookies and they have yeah. careers. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, you're fine. Um, yeah, and it, she started out as a legal aide, which we read in the book um it was a bureaucrat. So that was what on her way to becoming a bureaucrat uh yeah she didn't want to do nope she didn't do it all right so bear with me guys here is my description <laughs> of the book <clears throat> on a hot july night on cape cod when adrian was 14 her mother malabar woke her up dang it woke her at the middle uh, blah 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 this is why i'm not allowed to read these i'm gonna start over you're doing great <clears throat> yeah I, I made up words what <laughs> i think that just shows your creative brain i i i can spin this girl i got you <laughs> thank you <clears throat> okay on a hot July night on Cape Cod, when Adrian was 14, her mother, Malabar, woke her at midnight with five simple words that would set the course of both their lives for years to come. Ben Souther just kissed me. Adrian instantly became her mother's confidant and helpmate, blossoming in the sudden light of her attention. And from then on, Malabar came to rely on her daughter to help orchestrate what would become an epic affair with her husband's closest friend. The affair would have calamitous consequences for everyone involved, impacting Adrian's life in profound ways, driving her into a precarious marriage of her own and then into a deep depression. Only years later will she find the strength to embrace her life and her mother on her own terms. Wild Game is a brilliant, timeless memoir about how people... Damn it. Wild Game is a... <laughs> Sorry. Wild Game is a brilliant, timeless memoir about how the people close to us can break our hearts simply because they have access to them and the lies we tell in order to justify the choices we make in a remarkable story of resilience, a reminder that we need not, the, not be the parents our parents were to us. Oh, I, so I just had a thought. So... This is, I'm just, I, if I don't mention it now, I'm going to forget it. But you know how the cookbook, Wild Game, that they were, yes. it never came to fruition? Uh-huh. I think it's really kind of interesting how she chose to call her memoir Wild Game. So in some right? ways, it, it all came to fruition because the book, the cookbook wasn't even about the cooking. It was about the affair. 
Right. Anyway, I just had that thought. I think that's really neat how she incorporated that and kind of brought everything full circle. Yes, absolutely. I agree. I agree. I was wondering, I was like, where is this going to come in? Where is this going to come in? Is it because of what she cooks all the time? <laughs> where is this going to come in? Nobody said it. Where is it going to come in? Especially for a memoir, you would think it had significance. And as soon as it did, I was like, oh, yes, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. That's really great. Oh, yeah. I was trying to look for, you know, if it was published, like when we were reading the book, I was like, when did it get published? Because I, I want to find this. Like, yeah. this sounds great. But she definitely has other cookbooks out there that you can look up. Yeah. So. That her mother did. Mm-hmm. I, so I just kind of, you know, we, we generally discuss our overall opinion. Um, so I really enjoyed this memoir. Uh, as I read it, I know I texted you at some one point. I don't remember when. Uh, I don't remember where I was in the book. But I texted you and I was – I don't remember exactly what I said. I guess I could look it up. I have receipts. But I texted you and said that it just felt like I was invading her, like, personal space or something. And you said, yes, yes. diary. Um, but it just made it really – it was just intimately written. She, I feel like she really didn't hide a lot and it was from her point of view. And I know at the very beginning, she said that memories have a way of changing and mm-hmm. adapting. So these are just her memories of what happened. And, um, I was just like, I, I could not stop reading it. It was so intriguing to me, but also right. I really like reading books that are so personal and stories that are written so personally because it makes you like feel with the reader, and so right it makes you. Yeah, I had a lot of empathy for Adrian. Me too. I had a lot. I felt really bad for her, actually. Yeah, what she went through. But she is resilient, and she got through it. And I think this book might be. A, I mean, this is taking liberties, but I feel like this book is part of her. Well, actually, it's not. She kind of said it in the epilogue that this is her way of moving on and making sure. Does right. not repeat the mistakes of the past. So, yeah, I felt like when I was reading the book, um, it seems like she still holds on a lot of guilt. Yeah, like she still feels really guilty about everything. When uh, truth be told, she was a child. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of it's her fault. No, none of it's her fault, and. Yeah. It's that's what's so stressful. Like you and I, we don't have children yet, um, but I know no. when I've had this discussion about, like you know, getting to that age and point where we're kind of like done with you know being a kid and done with being childish and selfish and all of that, and so like in the future we're going to be ready. And I was like, even though I'm not a mom yet, I was like putting myself in uh, Malabar's shoes, and. As I not even Adrian shoes, I was putting myself in Malabar's, and I was like, "Would I do that to my fourteen-year-old daughter?" When I put myself in Malabar's shoes, I always think, you know, I can't imagine doing that. Like, I can't imagine doing that to my child. But you have to think. I mean, Malabar obviously has some deep-seated issues, and that's one of the hardest things about reviewing books with characters. Even though this is a true story, I'm going to refer to the. Well, characters, because I can't think of the other word, um, or people, whatever. 
it's 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 hard because you want to pass judgment because right now it's so easy for me to pass judgment and in general like I hate this about myself I tend to be a judgmental person and as y'all know I dislike a lot of things y'all come to realize that (laughs) you laugh but you're like yeah but it's hard not to pass judgment because you're seeing it from the point of view of a woman who was at 14 she was forced to lie right like I I couldn't imagine that kind of stress. And obviously, it eventually caught up to her. Oh, yeah. Uh, Because, like, when she goes to the doctor, she has, you know, she's getting ulcers, which, because of all of the stress from trying to keep the secret straight, because children shouldn't have to go through that. No, they shouldn't. Because, I mean, they're not, their brains are still developing. They're not equipped to handle that kind of stress. Much less than an adult with a fully formed brain. Right. Also, something that I was thinking about was she must have been just a very enticing person. Like, she must have been somebody that everybody wanted to be friends with because it seemed like she charmed literally everyone in her life. Yeah, I kind of got that impression, too. Um, As, like, a very charismatic person. Right. um, Like you were saying, (laughs) I I did get that impression, too. But I also got this impression that maybe her uh, charisma and her beauty and because Adrian just kind of looked up to her so much and just idolized her in a lot of ways, which she realized she, she didn't realize she was doing until later on in life. Right. I wonder if her recollection of her charisma and beauty is distorted by that idolization or. Oh do yeah. You think no? I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure she's idolizing her within the book as well. Um, just, but yeah, I mean, there has to be some truth in it all that she definitely had to have been. Because if you're able to, I mean, she it seemed like she was able to command every single room. That's true. A good hostess, um, a great cook. She seems like she might have had a flirty personality. Yeah. And I've known, I, I don't, I've, I've met people in the past in, one girl I'm thinking of in particular, names won't be said, um, who she reminds me so much of Malabar, so much, just so into her looks mm-hmm. and just so like self-absorbed that she's willing to hurt the people around her to get what she wants. Right. And I don't know. It's just kind of toxic. Yeah. I don't even know if it's like what she wants or what she thinks she deserves really. Yeah. I agree with you on that. What do you think of Ben. Ben Souther. Souther's? I thought it was Souther's. <laughs> I think you're right. So what do you think of Ben Souther's? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, you know, actually, you know, we'll probably talk about this later, but for some reason, the whole time I was picturing him as um, Richard from Friends. Richard from Really? <laughs> yes. Like this so like this rugged like yeah. Okay. Big okay. manly man. Like I just thought but you know rugged, not quite as because because he also was able to be a businessman and go to New York and you know be on all these yeah. boards and so I thought so you're maybe You're thinking of Tom Selleck. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um was not picturing anybody in particular i was picturing like because he he, they described his hands as being like rough and Mm -hmm. like 
he's like very loud. I got the picture that he's very loud and like oh yeah, like likes. I was picturing more of a negative connotation. Like I was not picturing someone like Tom Selleck, only because. Throughout the book, I kind of got the EBGBs from Ben Souther's character just a little bit. The EBG, really, 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 really. Like, there's like a couple comments when he would like wink at Adrian, or now that you're 18, he said, "Now that you're 18, I have someone else in mind for you." Or mm. he made that comment to her about, "You want me?" When he she missed when she they were doing the lip, um, reading the lips. Yeah. So. It's- Little comments like that. And so I don't know if the book was written, like those things were mentioned to kind of paint this picture of like someone who is just, you know, willing to cheat on his wife and have an affair for 10 years and lie and then lie to the woman he had an affair with. And then I had a negative connotation from him just from those things that were mentioned. Yeah, no, I mean, whenever, <laughs> yes, I get what you're saying. Um, but I think whenever he was doing the you want me, he was genuinely confused. I didn't get the creepy feeling from that. I just think it was just to prove that he literally could not hear her. Um, and the thing, I have someone in mind for you at 18. I think he was referring to Jack. Yeah. Yeah, because. You, you got normal things from that and I took it more of a negative way yeah I thought I mean I thought Ben Southern's I thought maybe he was flirting with her a little just to mess with her oh no I just thought he just wanted to add more to his plan in order to stay with Malabar more and was like well if you marry my son then I'll definitely always have my mistress and (laughs) I'm gonna 100% hope that your interpretation is correct because I mean, I don't know why I automatically assume the worst, but I think it's just because of the person he was, as he was written, I just picked, I didn't actually have a figure like pictured in my head of what he looked like. I just had like a negative, like it was like a negative cloud over his character in the entire book for me. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. He was like, I don't know, just all the lies yeah. and force. I don't know. I know that was Malabar. I had a negative cloud over Malabar as well Well, yeah she was a negative person as well but no yeah I wasn't a huge fan of Ben either I you know it kind of the whole thing that really pissed me off is that they you know were like oh okay well here's the perfect like way to get out of this is if we use your 14 year old fucking daughter yeah to like help us sneak around when that should never, ever, 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 ever be anybody's, anyone's, like, idea yeah. of what a good idea, like, how to cheat is. Like, you shouldn't involve your your 14-year-old child. That's just not right. Um, they don't have, I think, yeah, I think we maybe said this earlier, but I think what really pissed me off more about the book, more than the cheating and the lies was the fact that they involved her and that she, you know, she held all this guilt. Um, and she also always made excuses for both of them. I mean, she made excuses for, but I mean, if I was in her shoes, I probably would do the same thing because you're, that's your mom. Right. And this figure who's always been your life, like as kind of like just, you know, these people, they're adults. You're supposed to be able to look up to them especially your mother yeah yes and she's always you know they make a point of or she makes a point of saying that she was always looking for her mother's attention and so was her brother and that's even proven later 
you know, her and her brother don't have the best relationship, but you know, they're still fighting over who gets the guest house, which I, I'm not really sure that I under, like, this is something that comes later in the book. So if you don't want to talk about it right now, it makes sense, but I don't understand why they ever had to be like, Hey, by the way, we're going to pay to take over the guest house for the summer when, supposedly they have million like both you know both ben and ben and malabar combined should have millions and millions of dollars i think it's because that's their millions and malabar i took it as malabar you know pretty much telling adrian she's and that she and ben are not gonna support or help uh adrian and jack not jack uh, adrian and peter in any way like they don't want to help their adult children and it was just the irony, I think, is just to show how selfish they are as people. Yeah, like, they're because, both so selfish. It's not even just yeah, one of them. Literally, Adrian, like, went through so much helping them, like, giving her, giving them, like, everything they ever wanted. And then they couldn't even, like, share their guest house without re- requiring money. Right. I, I just think, I think that was put in just to kind of show the type of, like, hurt people they are like even though I honestly do believe like they said in the book that Malabar loves Adrian mm. I just think that Malabar as they said in the book Malabar loves herself like I don't even know if Malabar loves Ben actually I don't want to say that I don't want to say that I don't want to go there <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go there uh, I just think that Malabar is just so obsessed with herself no. that she doesn't put anyone else's feelings above hers and that comes down to also not sharing the guest house they have to like rent to have it right I it's just I I think all of I think one of the common themes in this book is just selfishness yeah what selfishness and greed can do like within a family unit right it's 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 very it's 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 very like crazy to like read it in such a personal way yeah I think it makes you very grateful for yeah for people for parents who you know and that's I know that's something that we're very blessed to have we've talked about that in the past that we have parents who love us so much right um and it's it's nice to know that Adrian you know her whole goal moving forward is to never have a relationship like that with her daughter like the last little portion is yeah it's like her daughter's asking oh hey like (laughs) this is asking me like what I did when you know adults failed me initially and she's like I don't understand this and I was literally crying (laughs) yeah I was too can I just read that paragraph yeah and her daughter you know as you said I don't get this I thought of all those moments my parents were absent and I blinked back tears mom what would you write if you were me and I thought that was beautiful because Adrian is not repeating the mistakes that her mother and her mother's mother made. Right. That's like beautiful. And it came full circle. Like the whole book was so well, well written. Right. And it also makes me so happy for her daughter that her daughter knows unconditional love. And that's what it's supposed to be about. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's really sweet. And I loved it. Made me cry. It's fine. Who who were your favorite people throughout the book that were like the most supportive, I think, of Adrian? And what did they they called her Rini? Oh yeah, like I guess Adrian, like uh Renee or Rini. Rini. Yeah. 
Like her, the last part of her name. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It's I like Margo. Yes. Like Margo was, I feel like, the atypical mother figure. Right. And mm-hmm. she had that in her life. And I think that's part of the reason she was able to, like, not be – I mean, it was Adrian's own actions too, but having that like motherly loving influence that allowed her to get into literature and do something for herself that had had nothing to do with Malabar. Like, I just feel like Margot's influence in her life really helped her grow. Yeah, I agree. One of my other favorite people were Jack. Yeah. Yeah, I know that she, I think Adrian did initially spark this you know love romance with jack to please her mother i don't think she did it consciously it was more of like a subconscious thing because even in the book she's like i didn't do that but it's like why would you do it your, your boyfriend was coming in two days why'd you do it but no so i think they started this relationship like partially to please you know her mother and you know give her mother more reasons to see ben which was what made her happy and i think that was something that adrian was really concerned with was her mother's happiness but i think that he really did care about her i think i think she cared about him too yeah yeah yeah. but i think like he he definitely was very much honest with her about her relationship with malabar and how she definitely you know deserved better like she deserved better from that and he he obviously cared about her whenever she was going through her depression like he wanted to make sure that she was okay what do you think i guess why do you think that it took them so long to get divorced because they lived and were married long distance for four years Oh, before I answer that question, I will want. I want to correct myself. I said atypical. That's the incorrect word. Typical is what I wanted. <laughs> atypical. It's the opposite. Anyway, I think the reason that it took them so long to get divorced is because they actually genuinely loved each other. And I, I think some of the issues with their relationship going in is that they all will. They always had that cloud, that lie, that affair hanging over their heads, and. I, I do think that there were a lot of factors that went into why both of well, right, Adrian married Jack. But at the end of the day, I truly believe that they loved each other and that Jack and her remained close even after they got divorced. And so I, I honestly just think it's because they actually genuinely care. And when you would genuinely care about someone, you know, you're not going to just want to get divorced. Right. No, they yeah. I think it work while also like, giving herself time to grow and become her own person. Yeah. I really like that. He also, I mean, whenever they went to go tell Malabar and Ben that they were getting divorced, that when they were comparing, when they were talking about the Clintons. So at this time, Bill Clinton had just, you know, been outed for his affair with Monica Lewinsky. And they're talking about how could they have done this to Chelsea? They didn't even think about Chelsea. And Jack's like, what the fuck? Yeah. They were like, that's such hypocrisy right yeah he was like yeah yes he he called them hypocrites basically and left and i just i that is mind-blowing that they they didn't even think about their own actions in that that doesn't even seem real yeah that just i'm glad you pointed that out again that just shows the type of people they i feel like they think that they're just different of making mistakes or something i have no idea i feel like they're just like our love is different it's different because we're really in love and then this is just a fling you know um but i was actually 
the whole entire time to whenever Adrian and Jack were getting married I was like on the edge of my seat because I thought at some point in time Adrian was gonna be like just kidding I can't do this like I I just I was waiting for her to back out like I thought maybe she would and then she never did um and I think that was you know because she did actually love Jack but I just thought maybe she'd realize this is not what I want like what the fuck um so I guess we should kind of go back Okay, I know we've just been kind of uh, nitpicking, <laughs> talking over uh, different characters. So pretty much it starts off with Ben and Lily. And I mean, we don't have to go everything, but just hit the high notes. Yeah. Ben and Lily in the kitchen. They're like at the, ca- the, the Cape House, I believe. Yeah, in Cape Cod. And, yeah. And Charles is there with... Um, uh, with Malabar and they're just couple friends eating he brings in he brings in some like pigeon type squab. squab there we go I've never it, eaten that have you I have not I have not um <laughs> of course I, I I think I'd be afraid to eat anything called squab that night Malabar and Ben started flirting over the dinner table and then later on that night um Actually, Adrian went off with a young boy around her age and, like, was making out. And um, she said that's the night of her first orgasm was the night her mother actually started the affair. So I thought that was kind of interesting. You know, it's really funny. I read that. So I didn't even think that's what happened. I didn't think that she had her first orgasm. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. And then later she's like, that was the night of my first orgasm. I was like, wait, I need to go reread that part because I'm confused. When did that happen? I just thought she was turned on. And yeah. so I was like... Oh. Which I, I think, yeah, it was like very PG rated how she described it all, which I appreciate because yeah. sometimes people are too graphic in books. Yes. <laughs> which it can be uncomfortable. But anyway, they... Apparently, Ben kisses Malabar on their walk in this passionate embrace. And then Malabar, you know, run like her daughter is asleep. She runs to her 14-year-old daughter's room and wakes her up. And she's like, I have to tell you something. Ben kissed me. Are you excited for me? Are you happy for me? And I think that was weird. Like, would you – I would not – like, I just feel like that's a weird – Thing for a grown woman to ask her 14 year old daughter are you happy for me that I'm having an affair right I, right yeah no I, I thought it I thought it was very strange but I also think like from you know nope I yep can't justify it but I just think from Adrian's point of view like you're so excited because like her mom had been so depressed for years like she yeah. had even said like her mom wouldn't brush her hair she just wore a robe to drop her off to class like she wasn't happy yeah. that she was just like happy that her mom was excited and so I don't know that she necessarily if she was happy that she was happy that her mom was having an affair more that she felt like, Oh man, my mom's back. Like sh- this is the person that I thought I knew. Um, and the conf, the confidant aspect of it. I think she was so thrilled because from what I understood from the book, Malabar kind of made Adrian and Peter feel like they had to earn her love. Right. And or that like, she always loved one of them more than the other. Yes. Which is already an intense dynamic um and then so when she's confiding in her i guess she feels special that they have this secret and she trusted her enough to tell her and right. with 14 i know i was very impressionable at 14 
So I can understand why she would, I mean, feel like honored by it, I guess, that your mother who you already idolize is trusting you with such a huge secret. Right. But yeah, it's just very clear she didn't, Malabar didn't have any really super close friends that she could have told this to. And she just needed somebody to confide in. Um, But then I think starting like the next night, basically every time the families got together, Adrian would be like, let's go on a walk. And she would just walk away while Malabar and Ben did whatever they wanted. Get away with it since Charles and Lily weren't very healthy. Well, yeah, because so Charles had, you know, right before Malabar and Charles got married, she had, he had suffered from a stroke that paralyzed the right side of his body, I believe. Yeah. And so he couldn't really go and do that kind of stuff. And then Lily had previously had cancer and radiation, uh, which caused her not only to be infertile, but for her to lose her voice and for her to just be weak. Um, which being very frail. I don't know that I would describe Lily as a weak person. <laughs> I don't think she's weak at all. I don't think she's weak in that sense. I just Although mean frail- like she's sick, and, weak. Yeah, people can misinterpret frailty for weakness, which yes. uh, Adrian was very clear to make known in the book that that was not the case with Lily. Right. Um, and so anyway, is that their affair starts and eventually you know it goes on for years and then eventually- I think it eventually goes on for like 12 years yeah um, and that like is every summer in the, the cape um and then and one- malabar and ben go and meet each other in new york for affairs they go on vacations like easy uh and then i know at one point i think three years into the affair when adrian is like 17 or 18 i think 17 she goes to maui Mm-hmm. Uh, for a year and then she meets this boy who's a piehead she's someone that he would not her family would not approve of but she just really connects with him in Maui and then she confides in him with this big secret and he tells her like he's just he's just shocked and disgusted by Malabar's actions and she defends Malabar she you know she's doesn't understand why he's you know feels that way because she still at this point idolizes her mom yeah, and then she still feels like this is her fault. Yeah. Even at the age of 18, 19, she still feels like, no, I'm partially responsible for this. Like, how are you mad at my mom? My mom has gone through so much. Like, my mom lost her original child, Christopher, who just so happened that Adrian and Christopher shared the same birthday. Which is hard. Yes, she always felt like he was in, she was in his shadow. And, um, you know, then her first marriage didn't work out her mother one time beat her or threw her into a fireplace she broke a leg um you know there's other things such as like she got divorced her first her second marriage to charles like he had a stroke right before they got married she couldn't back out or couldn't feel like she could back out so she's been in this loveless marriage well not loveless but like lifeless like she can't do anything that her and charles originally had done because charles is paralyzed on the right side of his body he had a stroke he's not able to do as much as what he used to be able to yeah um Um, And so she's sitting there sticking up for her mother saying, no, she had this horrible childhood, this horrible marriages. And I think even then, though, people looking in when he heard that they could not understand how she how Malabar could do that to her daughter. 
Well, yeah, especially it's like what you've gone through all this stuff and yet you're now going to put this trauma onto somebody else. Yeah. And, um, but I, I mean, it takes, I mean, Adrian for so long, like her mother, like she felt like her Peter and her mom were just, that's their force. And so for her to, I guess in her eyes, betray her mom by agreeing with Adam, that was just not something that could happen. Well, yeah, and then she also had, like we discussed, she's had all this guilt that she doesn't even think that she can put the blame on her mom. She feels like she is also to blame because she's been going along with this this whole time. Yeah, for sure. Eventually she meets Kira, right? And Kira is like her only friend who, or her first person in her life who makes her feel understood and not judged by the situation. And Kira seems to stay in her life for honestly the rest of her life uh yeah i think she said she's a lifelong friend yes and so i am so happy that adrian was able to meet kira in college and have that friendship because that's someone like Margot who who's a rock in her life right and she needs that right um so anyway she comes back to the states and her and adam eventually part ways before she goes to school um, they just didn't work out and she knew that wasn't going to happen cause they have so many differences and, um, anyway, so she goes to college and then I think something happens her junior year that was kind of monumental. Um, was it when, when did Charles die? No, junior year is when, yes, yes, Charles did die, but then, so then junior year summer is whenever her and the Southers, like her family and the Southers family all went on that vacation to Jamaica. Okay, that's right. Mm -hmm. But yes, Charles did eventually die and she had all this guilt because she felt like she had chosen her mother over him and she felt like she was you know she betrayed him this whole time yeah yeah and i just i just hate that she'd had that guilt for so long and i know that played into her depression as an adult and what she went through and um you know what all all the stuff that it took to get out of it i know Margot was a key that was her you know father's you know new wife so her stepmom and Margot was key in helping Adrian find something that she became passionate about. So she was not happy working in politics at all. She did not like living in California. She did not like politics. So she eventually moves back to the East Coast to New York City. Right. And Margot encourages her to, you know, see a psychiatrist and she start trying to get into literature. And then that's when Malabar you know, comes to her, and at this point, you know, her and Adam are married. Not Adam. Um, Jake. Jack. Jack, yes. So her and Jack are married. Yeah, her and Jack are married, but they're in this long-distance relationship. Yeah. They had been married a couple years, and then long-distance happened, and it blows my mind what Malabar says to her in her apartment. Mm-hmm. And um, that she doesn't want her near she doesn't want to live near her or be near her. And that- yeah, she was like, cause I mean, she had just told her like, Hey, by the way, I'm not giving you any money. You're not welcome to the house in the summer because you can't pay me any money. And also like, you're basically cut off. Like we're not doing this anymore. When it was 
clear that they weren't giving them money before. So it's confusing as to why this conversation had to happen then and or why Ben and Malabar felt the need to let her know when she had never even asked for money. Um, I know. But then, yes, whenever she's leaving, you know, she really upsets Adrian. And so she's like, I think you should leave you know, trying to set some boundaries for herself, yeah. which is what she's being taught within all this therapy. And her mom was like, I'll leave when I'm good and ready, but then stands up and is like, does it ever occur to you that I don't want you anywhere near me? And it's like, what? I mean, I think the only other times that Adrian has set boundaries with her mother was the night after her and Jack's <laughs> okay. So her and Jack's wedding, um, you know, and she's like, I don't know. She basically at that night. Okay. So at some point, let's go back. At some point, Lily finds out about the affair. Yes. Before it goes the wedding, on to- before Jack's wedding. And then they end up before Jack and Adrian's wedding, Jack and Adrian get married, but Mal- anyway, and then Lily dies two years after they get married. And then like nine and a half months after Lily's death, Ben and Malabar get back together. And that's about the same time that, um adrian moves to new york and so yeah well what i was talking about was before that um before their wedding whenever ben tells lily hey by the way i'm having this affair with malabar after charles dies before the wedding he tells her that and so that kind of stops their affair for two years ben and uh malabar's affair is done from then and in that point you know there's a lot of drama including Adrian because Adrian you know had once tried to tell Jack you know tell her about the affair that she knew about it what was going on and he was like well do you love me and I love you then I don't want to know about it like you know she attempted to have this conversation but he wasn't really wanting to know about it and so there before the wedding started Lily had been like hey by the way Malabar and Ben are not to dance on the night of your wedding it's not happening and somehow we're not sure exactly how it went down Ben and Malabar ended up dancing Lily, Lily was a class act though yes she was she was and um I mean honestly I was really shocked because I thought once the affair was going to be discovered that that was going to end Jack and um, Adrian's relationship but then it didn't like they still stood strong throughout that which I was surprised about I just thought not from Jack's perspective but Adrian would just be you know not wanting to go through with it anymore yeah Um, (laughs) but no so they continued to go through with it and you know, Lily was like, okay, great. Well, your mother will not be dancing with my husband. And I felt like I was frustrated at that point in the book because I was like, why is she telling Adrian? Like, why isn't she telling this to her husband? Why is she telling Adrian? Adrian's not the one responsible. It would be your husband making that choice. At this point, Lily, like, I feel like Lily understood that Adrian was just a child, but I still think that maybe on some level, level she might have had some animosity towards her, which I feel like, as wrong as it is, it's also like understandable. Yeah, <laughs> and that was yes, and that was like that's funny. That reminds me of the mantra um, they have, which is understandable but not acceptable. No, yeah, <laughs> yes, understandable but not that. That's honestly in the back of my mind. That's probably where I came up with. It. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, crazy. yeah. So later, I mean, at the wedding, Ben and Malabar end up dancing, and Paul, uh, Malabar's ex-husband, ends up dancing with Lily, and, you know, I guess Ben and Malabar exchanged some words, and he, the night, uh, okay, this is just, these are another time, I'm going to jump back in a second, too. Then that night, or the next day, she calls, uh, Malabar calls Adrian, tries to be like, oh my god, I have to tell you what he said, and she's like, what the fuck, dude, I just got married. Yeah. You can't, and I'm glad she set boundaries. Like, I can't be your confidant anymore. Lily yeah. is my mother-in-law, and right. I can't lie. I can't do this anymore. And that's literally what she said. And I, I am glad that Adrian laid down the ground rules. Of course, Malabar was upset by it. Whatever. Right. Well, I think that's what kind of initiated what we were talking about earlier, how Malabar was like, I don't want to be near you. I think that's what happened is like well, – yeah, well- Adrian set boundaries for herself, healthy boundaries, well, and Malabar got being bit. a manipulative person. Sorry. I was interrupting you. We're, oops. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, so I think Adrian was setting healthy boundaries, but Malabar, you know, being a manipulative person didn't like and or understand that because I don't think she knew that she was a manipulative person. I don't think she was like, oh, I'm going to manipulate my daughter. Yeah into doing this but I think she also was like what the fuck like you're gonna tell me no yeah. <laughs> and so I think that's like where all this vindiction came from like and also too Malabar once she got Ben she didn't have a need for Adrian in that way for- yeah which is so sad she got the she got the reward she won in her eyes so she didn't need to carry on a relationship with her daughter she didn't need to share her stuff with her daughter because she had everything she wanted. That's kind of how I right. interpreted it. Yeah, um, and then moving on, um, eventually her and Jack get divorced. And I we touched on this earlier um, already that when they told um, Ben and Malabar that they were getting divorced, they were just like, well, it's about time. Um, not about time. They were just like, well, it was inevitable or something along those lines. Right. They were like, now we know we're not in limbo anymore. And then they had the whole Clinton conversation. Yes. And I'm, I mean, I'm glad that Jack and Adrian stayed in good terms and are friends because I genuinely believe that they just really cared about each other. Yes. Yeah. I think because of, I think part of the reason it didn't work out is because of who their parents are. Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. But I think that's also the reason they're together. I don't think they would have been together otherwise. Oh, it's so, so much. Um, But anyway, she eventually meets her current husband and... Who's apparently normal. Yes, and she couldn't (laughs) believe it. She kept trying on their first blind date. She's like, I'm never going to see this man again because, you know, he's just seems too good to be true. Like, like what? Like how? how you, you have nothing wrong. Yes. With you? Like how could you have a normal childhood? How could you, even though he said, "Well, I'm not perfect. I went through a divorce, but he had two wonderful kids from it." And she just couldn't wrap her head around that because her childhood was completely different. Completely. Mm-hmm. Like anyway, but I am glad that she made room for him because that they genuine they seem to genuinely love each other and they have this wonderful life and it gave her her children. And it's just really beautiful to see how, despite everything that happened, she was able to make room in her heart for something good. And she's not repeating the mistakes of her mother and grandmother. Yeah, I felt like that was really good. Um, It's just a really beautiful story. And I appreciate Adrian's openness 
can imagine being so open and putting this words on paper, but I think this was part of her therapy and healing process. Yeah, I agree. I think that it's, it's eye opening for like people like you and I, who, you know, like me newly wed and you like, you know, in a serious relationship to see this and be like, well, I don't want to repeat the same mistakes. Right. Obviously this doesn't even seem like real story because it was so like, Yes, it was so out there that it didn't seem like it was real. Yeah, just because, I mean, wow. <laughs> I could see this being like a movie. Yeah. No, yes. No, so it was sold. It's going to be a movie. Oh, it is? Good. Yes. Yeah. So it will be a movie. Um, the person who made um, uh, the Edge of the director of Edge of 17, which oh. I actually have not seen, I don't know, is actually going to... Um, direct the i've seen part of edge of 17 so i'm gonna yeah. want to rewatch that to see their directing style yeah, yeah. I, I yeah well, so something that we didn't touch on but was like another big thing throughout the book was this big family heirloom yes the necklace the necklace and the necklace was such a big part of the book and then i felt like it was also something that malabar held over adrian in order to keep her like I don't know, like, be like, okay, well, you have to be my friend or I'm not going to give you this. Well, I feel like, a, a, I think Adrian wrote at towards the end of the book that people who did not have loving homes tend to, like, attach themselves I hear, to objects. I can hear myself saying, like, so much. Oh, it's driving me crazy. Uh, so Malabar attached that love to this necklace. Right. And I think that, I mean, that is why it was so important to her. And so Adrian, you know, cause she wanted that love so much. So she attached like her mother's approval and love to that necklace. Do you think it was like, I guess, okay. So the whole time uh, Malabar is like, okay, well, if I give this to you, I'll give it to you on your wedding day, but then decides, okay, just kidding. I'm going to wear it on your wedding day, actually. And I bought this gorgeous out, like I bought this gorgeous fabric to make myself a designer dress, like from scratch. Um, and then later again, she gives the, the heirloom to Adrian and then takes it back or wants to take it back again. And Adrian's like pissed. Like, she's like, what the fuck? I do you think that if you had that relationship with your mother do you think you would sell it or do you think you'd keep it <laughs> I honestly have no idea I think after everything Adrian went through if it was worth millions because at the time you know her and her husband were could have used the money I think selling it but also you would have this guilt because your mother I don't know I think that had been really hard although it, just looking out, like being like, oh, I would sell it because, you know, my mom sucks. I'm pissed off. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I do, but I understand her not getting it appraised, but I think like just for insurance purposes, I'd get it appraised. Yeah. <laughs> like, like get an insurance policy on that bitch. Like if it is really worth like millions, millions of dollars, like what if you get robbed? I know that's insane. Yeah. I but have something that wealthy in my home. Right. I get, I'm I get so- nervous with wearing my wedding ring because I'm like if I lose this I'm not getting another one I don't know okay so what are your final thoughts on the book like what do you think Uh, how would you recommend it how would you rate it give me all the details I really enjoyed wild game I thought it was well written and it ends on a positive note so I really encourage people to read it especially since it's a memoir and 
Uh, I don't know about other people, but I have not read a lot of memoirs, so it's a good memoir to start with. I really liked this book. I thought it read more like a fiction than a nonfiction. Yeah. Um, I really, I mean, it just seemed so unreal to yeah. me. <laughs> the fact that it is real really makes me feel for Adrienne. And uh, I just really, I thought she was a powerful woman and that, you know, she went through all of this and came out the other side better and stronger. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I really liked it. I think of all the books that we've read, uh, this is going to be like a middle high on my list for me. I don't know if it would be one of my top five, Mm -hmm. but it's definitely a good book. And I I will definitely recommend it to people uh, to read, especially if they are trying to read a memoir. I personally, I think I've only read maybe like one or two. um, And this is like definitely my favorite one so far. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. I'm really glad that we ended up reading this book. I know. So we were actually, we're choosing between like three different other books and I'm really glad that we ended up reading this one. This is one of my definite favorites. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to choose books for the podcast. Uh, There's just so many and we're limited because we only record twice a month or two books per well, you know, every two weeks is what I mean. Um, right. It was a great book. Definitely read it. I'll link it in the blog. Yay. Yes, we have a blog. <laughs> yes, and uh, we'll go into – we'll do a review on the blog if you haven't checked it out. There's, like, our overall opinion, book rev- a short and a very short, short book review, and then we link whatever we're drinking. But since we didn't really drink anything this episode, I'll just do a link uh, so you can, like, purchase the book on Amazon or Kindle or whatever you have be sure to listen to our next episode discussing the family upstairs by lisa jewel featuring my sister tatum premiering on may 12th and the giver of stars by jojo moise which will premiere on may 26th Send us any questions or book ideas to sincerelypod at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at SincerelySBPod. Sincerely, Beth? And Sid. <laughs> <laughs>